0: This is Your Morning Basket, where we help you bring truth, goodness, and beauty to your homeschool day. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 30 of the Your Morning Basket podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and I'm so happy that you are joining me here today. Well, you might have noticed that the name of this episode is Tension in Morning Time. And no, we're not really talking about the tension from your kids squabbling with each other. Though, if your morning time is anything like mine, it happens quite a bit. Instead, we're actually talking about the tension that arises within ourselves as homeschooling mothers. Many of us were brought up in the public school system with a more utilitarian view of education. And I know for myself and other moms I've spoken with, sometimes there is a tension between doing morning time and these other subjects that we feel we need to be checking off our list each day. And so our guest today is Jennifer Dow, and she is from the Expanding Wisdom blog, and she writes a lot about classical education. And I thought she was a great person to speak to us about the learning that we do in morning time versus, or even in addition to, or how it's different from the learning we do at other times of day, to maybe help relieve some of this tension that we might be feeling within ourselves about this different Kind of learning, or at least to to discuss it a little bit and see maybe why it's there. So I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation, and we'll get on with it right after this word from our sponsor. This episode of the Your Morning Basket podcast is brought to you by Maestro Classics. Would you like to bring classical music into your children's lives? You can add classical music to your morning time today with Maestro Classics. These award-winning CDs and MP3s feature storytellers Yadu and Jim Weiss, accompanied by the world-famous London Philharmonic Orchestra. Choose from a dozen titles, including Peter and the Wolf, The Nutcracker, and one of the Barnhill family favorites, The Story of Swan Lake. What makes Maestro Classic CDs so special is that each CD and MP3 contains a 24-page activity book with illustrations, puzzles, games, and fun facts for kids. You can download free curriculum guides that combine classical music with science, math, geography, and other subjects. All CD and MP3 sets include tracks, which explain to your children how the music was made, who the composer was, the history and story behind the music, the instruments used by the orchestra, and most importantly, how to open your ears and really listen. Listening is a learned art, and Maestro Classics guarantees that these recordings will explain and develop listening skills in your children. Visit maestroclassics.com for free shipping on all CDs and MP3s. They start at just $9.98. As a Your Morning Basket listener, you can receive 17% off your order by using coupon code PAM at checkout. Go to www.maestroclassics.com. That's maestro, spelled M A E S T R O, classics.com, where the best classical music curriculum awaits your homeschool. And now, on with the podcast. Jennifer Dow is a homeschooling mom of three, a Circe certified classical teacher, and the co-host of the Classical Homeschool podcast. Jennifer feeds her own soul on truth, goodness, and beauty through her love of literature, fine arts, church history, and Greek philosophy. And she strives to equip other moms to seek after the true, the good, and the beautiful as well. At her blog, Expanding Wisdom, she explores the idea that education is all about growth in wisdom and virtue. And she offers support for like-minded parents, including her Five Elements of Classical Homeschooling online course for moms. Jennifer joins us on this episode of the podcast to shed some light on a thought-provoking question. How do we handle the pull between doing morning time and spending time on other more traditional school subjects? Jennifer, welcome to the program. Thanks, Pam. I'm happy to be here. Well, let's start off just setting the stage a little bit. So you tell me a little bit about what your particular morning time looks like in your home.
1: Okay, sounds great. So when we have morning time, (laughs) and I was a little nervous about saying that because I'm like, I'm going on the morning basket show. And sometimes feel like I'm not the best example of morning time because sometimes we don't do it. So when we do do it, and I guess we'll talk about a little a little bit later. You know, some of the reasons uh, mornings we choose not to and mornings we choose to do it. But we focus on our prayer prayers, and then our daily Bible reading. And if we're memorizing something, we might do that together. And then there's a book that we read that is a part of our church tradition. That's kind of like teaching stories and stuff from from our our Christian tradition. And then we do a loop for the other
0: things that we do
1: so on Monday there's a couple things that we read and then Tuesday well do you want to know which specific things we do
0: sure just yeah throw that out there for us what so I think because everybody will be curious as to what's in your morning time so what are those things you read
1: okay so on Monday we read a science biography a living book science biography and actually it's one of our favorite books this year it's Mendeleev, I, it's a Russian name, so I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, but I think that's how you pronounce it. And it's a fascinating tale of his life. He's the one who discovered the periodic table. So we read that together. And and then there's another book. We do our science together. So the, that's one of the reasons we do a lot of science reading in the morning together, because we're pretty much all doing the same thing, except for my loveless son. And then the other science books, we either is called The Periodic Table. And it's another story of the periodic table and elements and that sort of thing. And then on Tuesday, we do our artist and composer study. And in our homeschool community, they do a lot of that there. So really, I'm just introducing if we have a new painting that we're beginning to look at or a new artist that we're beginning to look at, I'll introduce them. And then we also do our classical studies. And for us, that means we talk or sometimes census mythology or I think Greek myths, Norse myths. Now we're not reading all that at the same time, but one at a time. So right now we're doing Plutarch, charts. And then on Tuesday, we also do a weather journal together. So okay. they record the weather and add things to lists. So they may have a list of firsts or that's pretty much the only list. I told them they could choose like more than one if they wanted, but they all chose just one. So <laughs> they have things for that. And then on Thursday there's a second science bio that we read and then nature lore. So like almost like fables of nature. I don't know how else to describe nature lore. but kind of like the people from adolescable education describe it as the things that awaken your senses to see more in nature. So stories that do that, that's a nature lore, some type of nature lore. And then on Friday we read our geography book, which is another one of our favorites called the book of Marvels by Halliburton and it took me like four months to find a copy, but we love it. It just paints this picture of all, we're studying modern times this year. So this geography book has all these wonderful places from all around the United States, things that would be considered more in modern times. And it just helps you experience them. And it's lovely. I mean, it's one of our favorites. We love it. And then it couldn't just happen. So okay. and that's like all our science reading. So that's what we do on a loop. So yeah.
0: OK, I want to go back and pick apart a couple of things you said or get more details, not sure. necessarily pick apart. So the list of firsts you were talking about, that's actually a Charlotte Mason yeah. practice where you tell us a little bit more about what a list of firsts is that you were referring to.
1: OK, so a list of firsts. Now, I haven't studied it deeply as maybe some other people. So if I'm not giving this full picture, but according to my current understanding, it is a list of first things that you see or encounter the way I've heard it talked about the most is when you are experiencing the year think about it kind of in context of the seasons. when you're experiencing the year within the seasons, what is the first day of the year that you see a you know a flower bloom or the first frost of the year or the first night that you go to bed when it's still light out you know any first that's specifically related to seasons and what is happening in our created world.
0: Okay, so this is kind of a nature journal, and I think I'm going to refer people to the Living Page, Keeping Notebooks mm-hmm. with Charlotte Mason by uh, Lori Bestvader, because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure she covers the list of firsts in that particular book. And so, and you could mm-hmm. probably utilize Google for that mm-hmm. as well. So. And then you said nature lore. Do you have a specific book that you're reading for nature lore on Thursdays or? Yeah, right now we are reading School of Woods. Okay, School of Woods. uh Okay, great. So that gives us a lot of great resources to put in the show notes for, you know, everybody who is really interested in the books that you were talking about specifically, they can go look them up. So we'll put those in the show notes for them. Okay, so now I want to dig down into this. Why don't you do morning time all the time? Thing. And on honestly, I'm going to admit too, we go through seasons where it's hard for us to do morning time very like consistently every day. So even me, yeah. sometimes I go through a season where we might go a week and we haven't done morning time. And like you, yeah. I'm very much kicking myself going, okay, we've got to get back into doing this. So... Let's talk about this, about the struggle in why does morning time sometimes get pushed aside?
1: Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of reasons. Sometimes it can be my own issues. Sometimes I'm being lazy and I don't want to get up and my bed is just really, really comfortable. I just don't want to get out of bed. So then when I get up, I feel rushed. I'm like, oh gosh, just do the other stuff, you know? So sometimes it's my own issue. Other times, you know, sometimes I wonder if it's always my own issue, because even when it's my kid's issue, sometimes I respond well, and sometimes I don't, you know, so like the mornings where they're not feeling it, sometimes I'm like, Oh, well, I guess I don't want to deal with, you know, pulling you guys through this, or really just kind of like, I don't feel like it, you know, whenever. So there's a lot of times when it's like that, when it's like my own inadequacy, my own issue that really, I just need to pull up my bootstraps and handle it. Other times, it could be a season, like I went through a season where I was just having some health problems and just feeling like there was some physical things going on. And it was harder for me to have enough energy to do everything during the day. And so I let them just started in their independent work. And we had conversations throughout the day. So the morning time kinds of things that we would read that, you know, cultivated more discussion and stuff like that we would do throughout the day but it wasn't like everyone together in the morning it was easier to just when I was doing tutoring time with people one-on-one to do that kind of stuff and that's another thing sometimes you know I will go through another reason is sometimes we're going through a season where the kids just fight a lot and they need some space they need me one-on-one they need to not be comparing themselves to each other and they just need to have a discussion with mom and so that's so that's another reason. I think there's a lot of reasons. Some, You know, like I said, sometimes it's me, sometimes it's my kids, sometimes it's the season, sometimes it's a combination.
0: Okay, so a couple of things to point out. First of all, you have a community that you participate in once a week. And so, and, uh-huh. and we do too. And so I wonder if, you know, are obviously not every day, but our kids are getting this big community day where they're spending kind of the entire day. And one of the things we focus on in our community is the subjects we put in our community are subjects that are best done in community.
1: I was thinking the same thing when I was thinking about our discussion coming up is the, the kinds of things that I do choose are this? my main filter is what can be done communally. What do we want to do together? And I'm like, we have Wednesdays that we do that all day. So I wondered when I was thinking about it if I don't feel as much pressure to do morning time because we have that Wednesday. And I was thinking maybe maybe that is part of it too. Um, but I hadn't had that thought till I was contemplating the the questions that you had given me. So
0: yeah, yeah, I yeah I think so too. It's we know we've got that built in community day, but let's get back mm-hmm. to this tension that I hear you talking about, and I struggle with this too, and I haven't been able to quite put my finger on what it is. We know morning time is a lovely and wonderful thing, generally, you know, obviously, if we've got mm-hmm. kids who are fighting or whatever, we know it's a generally a wonderful and lovely thing. And we know that it's where the truth, goodness and beauty is in our homeschool. So when we wake up late and or we're tired or we're just a little frazzled and we both things up for a choice, morning time versus traditional subjects. Why do you think it is that many times we and homeschool moms in general choose the traditional subjects over the morning time, despite the fact that they know that the truth, goodness and beauty is in the morning time?
1: Yeah, well, I have two thoughts. One is I don't view the other things they do throughout the day as not having truth, goodness and beauty. I view all of it as having that so but I do hear what you're saying about like the things that are going to be independent work where we're not like discussing and the communal thing and for me the main reason is because I they can go and do it without the community (laughs) like they can just go start working on their math or whatever are the things that are scheduled for them to do after morning time they're not dependent on me to show up and be on point or they're not dependent on their sister or their brother to stop dealing with whatever they're dealing with. So they can be on point, you know, we're not, ha- there's not that extra element of struggle, you know? So that is the primary reason when I'm like, okay, I just, you know, everyone go ahead. but we're not going to deal with that today. <laughs> we're not going to deal with trying to get everyone on the same page because when I wake up frazzled, that soaks over into the atmosphere and they are more frazzled and I know it's going to be harder when I, Um, I'm exuding that kind of charisma or no it wouldn't be charisma you know what I'm saying
0: attitude yeah 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 okay so let's talk about me for a minute enough about you Jennifer Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) because my youngest is seven and so he's obvious yeah he's seven I'm trying to remember so he's obviously he's still doing phonics still trying to learn how to read you know, he's just your average seven-year-old. He's still, you know, mommy's got to sit beside him to help push him through the math lesson. I can't give it to him and say, go off and do this by yourself. He's still very much what Susan Weisbauer would call at elbow. And then, yeah. you know, I've got a nine-year-old struggling reader. So mm. there is no way that when I choose to do independent seat work over morning time, there's no way that it's because it takes less work on my part, you know? Mm. So why do you think somebody like me struggles with, you know, making that? Why do I choose to go towards those academic subjects as opposed to the morning time? Yeah. Yeah. But even though I loved what you said about the fact that you don't think the academic subjects are absent of truth, goodness, and beauty. And I do want to unpack that in a few minutes. But just in Mm -hmm. general, why do you think somebody like, you know, who's got to be there anyway, why do I feel mm-hmm. more of a pull towards those academic things as opposed to the morning time things?
1: My initial inclination is that it's a lot to do with the culture that, that we are in. We're in, you know, we're in the postmodern time period, I guess you could say, and things are very utilitarian. We, and so the atmosphere that our culture just kind of sends out is, you know, tell me the purpose of that. How is it useful? And so the language we use to name things useful aligns more with knowing how to add and knowing how to read, as opposed to what the ancients would call useful. And they may or may not have used that term, but knowing what is good and having a sense for that and aligning yourself with that. To the So like, you know, I, I'm more on the, I like the classical tradition. That's the, my thing. And, you know, it's a lot of it is what the ancients the tradition that's been handed down. And so one of the things I study and people who are into the classical tradition study is how did the ancients actually think about education and how is that different than my own? And I think that is a big part of it is that when we think about education in modern terms, what is useful is very different than what was useful in a long ago and for a long time. Like this wasn't just like for 200 years, people thought this, This was like for over a thousand years up until really the enlightenment that people had a very different idea about what was useful.
0: Okay. And so the things that those people for thousands of years thought were useful are generally the things that are typically more in a morning time setting in a lot of homeschools.
1: Yeah. The stories, you know, coming to terms with matters of conscience: what is right, what is good and aligning yourself as a human. Like if you learn that something is good, then trying to live that out. That was infinitely, yes, knowing the numbers and all the, they just were like, yes, of course we're going to get that along the way. But our focus is on this other thing. So they they gave themselves the leisure time to press into those other things and trusted that the other stuff would come. They didn't forsake it. They just knew it was part of it. They didn't feel a need to micromanage it.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's, that's really interesting. And they also didn't view education as something that was completed in the first 18 years of life and then abandoned. No. So when you think about Plato talking about an educated man, he was talking about somebody who was learning well into their 30s and 40s. And honestly, given the lifespan at that time, that was pretty much their whole life.
1: Yeah. In fact, Aristotle would say somebody shouldn't even begin studying philosophy until he was 35 or 40. Right. So there were some things that just traditionally you didn't even begin studying until
0: you're older. So... A lot of times we think about the things that we put in morning time as being kind of dessert. Is there a justification for serving this dessert first? Well, it's good and yummy, so yeah. Just <laughs> okay, but I think... as a mom, I typically say we're not going to eat dessert first. We're going to eat our vegetables first. Oh, see,
1: like it, I think it goes back to what I said before. Is I don't see, I see it all as dessert. <laughs> you know, I see it all as having truth, goodness, and beauty. I think that if there is, okay, so I know that's different maybe than some people think about it. So let me think about, you know, when I was first learning about all this stuff, I felt the same way. I remember feeling that way. And what I learned that helped me embrace it was that it ushered in an atmosphere and an orientation of the heart towards learning that made me more open and receptive to everything else that I would learn for the day set a tone that actually made more learning possible.
0: Okay. So it wasn't just the content of your morning time that was important, even though it is, it obviously is, but it was also the practice of the morning time that in turn made the process of learning in the rest of your day better.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Why do you you think that is?
1: Well, I think that part well for for us you know we practice the christian tradition and so one of the things i have learned over the course of practicing my faith is that the days that i begin so i think it's a spiritual thing you know when we we see ourselves as more than just material beings that there's this spiritual side to us and that plays a real role in how we do during the day when we start our day with those things it just it's a mystery that I don't think that I can explain. It's something that just is the days that I do pray and spend some time in the word. And my kids do that. There is a noticeable difference in how we handle conflict and how easily we repent and forgive. And that makes all the difference because really all learning is repentance. You're constantly saying, Oh, I don't know this. I need to learn this over and over again. That's, you know, very much what repentance is like. And so you're practicing that in the morning. And then it carries through during the day. But if we start the day closed off, it kind of sets a pattern where we're saying, I'm closed off. I'm not going to be teachable today. And so it makes a difference. So yeah, there'll be days that we don't do any of the loop stuff. And the only thing we do is like our prayers and Bible reading. And most of the time, if we aren't doing morning time, for the most part, at least we'll do our prayers just because it makes such a difference.
0: Well, this brings to mind, Karen Glass talks about in her book, Consider This, that in order to be educated, you have to be humble. So just Mm -hmm. with you talking about this, I wonder if kind of humbling ourselves before God in prayer and petition in morning time is what, you know, it allows us to humble ourselves to be more receptive to learning later in the day. I would agree with that for sure. Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, what about... If you have a family that has been really focusing on schooling with traditional subjects most of the day, and, and maybe they've stumbled upon the podcast and this is the first one they're listening to, what do you think morning time mm-hmm. subjects have to offer a family who has been just focusing on, you know, phonics and mathematics and and bi mathematics? Because I do want to point out that that we've actually dug into the fact on this show a number of different times that there is beauty and truth, and goodness in mathematics. And so, you know, just kind of elementary computation, long division kinds of things. You know, for families who are really focusing on those kinds of things, reading maybe historical fiction, doing science in a textbook, and they're kind of intrigued by this idea, what do you think that the morning time subjects have to offer them?
1: Well... For me, it's not so much the content of the kind of like what you just said. I think the primary thing that it has to offer immediately is it shows us how, even in our school subject or school work, that we are tied to the community because we learn what we think about reality by like what we live out. You know, when we're spending our day doing the traditional subjects, usually it, you know, looks like. Everyone has their thing that they're doing and they're doing it individually. And I don't think any of us would ever say that, oh, everything's all disconnected. We innately see that as a family, we're connected. I think that's one of the reasons we homeschool. What's so cool about morning time is the practice of it also then communicates that. So it even lays a stronger foundation for that truth that we are connected to each other. And there's certain things that thrive when they're... That cause us to thrive when we do them in community more than they could have had we done them alone. So I think that's the first thing that morning time does: is it ties us to the community, to our family, and our first community is our family. It shows us how much we actually need each other because we have these discussions. We see everyone's insight. We see that it's not just what I think; it's also what you think. And wow, that's really great. That can help me grow too. I mean, I know you know my. My kids aren't necessarily saying that, but it does present a pattern that cultivates that belief about life. And over time, that will be a part of them.
0: Okay, so it's not necessarily the subject that you're discussing, but the fact that you're having that discussion. That is the important thing.
1: And Uh, then there are certain subjects, you know, that are better suited for that, I think. So there is a place to talk about content. But I think the primary benefit is this, what I just said about community, communal aspect of it.
0: Okay, so for somebody who might be questioning, you know, might be mulling this over, contemplating, as you would say, this in their Mm -hmm. mind right now, let's give them an example. What would be a subject that would be better done in community? Because we've alluded to that a couple of times in this podcast.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely anything related to your Christian tradition that you're practicing. The very, I mean, just we come together on church to, you know, at church to worship together in whatever way each of our families does that. That in its very core is communal. So I think that, if nothing else, is the first thing. And then anything that's story-like that, you know, a lot, there may be a lot of questions. One of the books we use that kind of teaches the rudiments of our Christian faith, uh, there's a section of reading and it's like a story and then there's some questions and we talk about them. And man, every single one of them has so much to say and so many questions and so many thoughts. And sometimes I have to cut it off. and I'm like, all right, now we actually have to go do math. But it's it, those kinds of things that their curiosity is sparked. So other things that would fall into that would be stories, especially fantasy and fairy tales that enchant everyone. <laughs> so by fantasy, I mean like Narnia or Lord of the Rings. Um, they a really little, even beatific, some people will call Beatrix Potter, kind of on the verge of fantasy. All those children's books that are just, you get caught up in the story.
0: Okay, so all of those are some really great ideas. And I love that. So anything basically, which is crying out for a discussion. And a lot of times I find Mm -hmm. that if we open the floor and give the kids the opportunity to ask questions in this safe place and to talk and to express their ideas and sometimes building a safe place with siblings can take a little work, you know, to have a safe place to express Mm -hmm. ideas. But they really do open up and have a lot to say in those situations. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the first thing I think for that is I will openly confess to my kids, like like not inappropriate, but like things they don't need to know about. But, you know, I'm like, man, I'm the first one. Whenever I'm the first one to say I have fallen short here, you know, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? It automatically puts them in a spot where they're more forgiving. So I think the mom Definitely has such a powerful position of being able to lead that and what she does. It's beyond, I think, what we can actually put language to. At least I can't. It's, it's very powerful, though.
0: So, definitely very much modeling the kinds of behaviors mm-hmm. that you want them to exhibit as you're carrying out this discussion and having this communal learning. Absolutely. Okay, so can there ever be such a thing as too much morning time? Well, what do you mean by that? Um, like this-
1: take
0: too long? or Yeah, yeah. And so let me kind of pull into the next question, which is if you okay. have a student who's struggling academically, do you think it's hard to justify the time spent on morning time, even in the case of a child who needs like intensive and often time-consuming help in another area, say like learning to read or, you know, a lot of times as homeschool moms worry about being, you know, a couple years behind in math or something of that nature?
1: Well, I think that's a hard question to answer without knowing, you know, if there's a certain person asking that, because I, my first question would be, if I was talking to an individual, well, how much time are you spending in these other things that makes you feel like you don't have time for this? Because I think it could be a lot of things. So I would be more interested first asking questions about that, or if it's uh, maybe they haven't thought through how to schedule their day. Maybe it's a time management kind of thing, or maybe it's, they're so scared that even though really they have enough time to, sometimes when we are afraid, we let ourselves think that things are harder than they are or more consuming than they are. And I experience this frequently when I'm overwhelmed and I won't check my email because I, it's like I convinced myself it will take five hours and it will take 25 minutes, but I won't. I keep procrastinating because I'm convinced it's going to take five hours and I just don't have time for that. But if I just do it, it's like, oh, that wasn't so bad. I think we do that a lot when we get emotional about things and when our kids are struggling, man, do we get emotional. I mean, we're homeschool moms, we're responsible for their education. We are really worried about that. So I think really identifying why we feel that way is the first most important thing. Because I think we've already talked about the benefit of it, which extends to also somebody who is struggling. You know, I don't think any of us would say, well, because my kid is struggling in math, they shouldn't have these nurturing, you know, discussion-rich times. None of us would say that. In fact, many of us homeschool because, you know, modern public schools will say, well, your kid doesn't get art because they're struggling with reading. We don't like that. We think that's ridiculous. You know, so So I don't think any of us would believe it wouldn't be beneficial for them. I think it has to do with our emotional responses and maybe in this certain cases, you know, time management skills. And I could be wrong, but that has been my experience with myself and also with my friends as we've worked together to try to implement these, you know, practices.
0: I love that answer. I love that answer that you need to look at what emotions you have about the situation, because you're right, we so often do, and see if that somehow clouding our perception of how much time we're spending on something like that. And, you know, I think it's important to point out that if you have a child who's struggling with reading, I don't think there's any better way to convey the benefits of reading. And by benefits, I don't mean like, oh, maybe I should change that word. There's no better way to convey the the beauty of reading and build a desire for reading than to actually sit there and read copious amounts of literature, good stories, good information like these fascinating science biographies that you're talking about or these, you know, the science lore, the nature lore that you love, the geography book that you really, really like and you think is really cool. And, you know, I'm thinking about it. A nine or 10 year old boy who's struggling with reading and you know he gets to dive into that geography book through you and through that morning time each week I don't think there's anything really better you can do for a kid uh, yeah than to build that love well, of reading
1: absolutely and every person who you know talks about reading they say that you, you know that the student should be given things to read in front of them that are challenging but then they should be read things that are above their reading level so that it is That's so on a very practical, I mean, the most practical thing level that we could talk about, it actually will help them read better by reading them things that are above their reading level. It will, it is doing that work. You're not, so, you know, I think there's a release of tension there. Like, yes, you're doing all these beautiful things. And as icing on the cake, this is actually part of their reading instruction as well. So,
0: yeah, yeah. And I think that's a really fascinating way to look at it is that, this is probably one of the best things you can do. It, it's, and we do get stuck. I keep going back to we do get stuck in that. I think some of the paradigms of public education that every little child has to be sitting in their seat, working on their own worksheet, keeping their eyes on their own paper, or it's not real learning.
1: I think it has to do with visually seeing the fruit versus not visually seeing the fruit. That is the struggle. And I think that that's just a human struggle. I mean, even, it is hard. I mean, when we think about our sanctification journey, we, there, it may be years before I actually exhibit a fruit that the Lord is trying to cultivate in me. Years. But then one day I exhibit it, you know, or I think a better example, my kids, I'm training them, I think they don't listen to me. And then one day they say something and I'm like, wow, my child just said that and I just want to cry. But it was years. It was years, and I think we compartmentalize academics and that somehow academics is supposed to show fruit immediately, and that's not necessarily true. It also is the kind of thing that takes years to produce fruit, but when we do a worksheet, I think we tell ourselves that this is fruit. We have accomplished this worksheet, but that may or may not be the case. So yeah, I see what you're saying now, and I I completely agree with you.
0: Yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head right there is so much of the stuff in morning time doesn't produce an immediate result, something tangible that we can like three-hole punch and stick in a binder and say yeah. or you know, a pull out and show grandma or or whatever the case may be. But, you know, so much of morning time is really well, it goes back to what Cindy Rollins says. Morning time's for the long haul. Yeah. You're gonna see the fruit of a lot of what you do in morning time ten or fifteen years down the road not immediately. Right. And I, th- I think that's one of the reasons why it's such a struggle to yeah. prioritize it above some of these other things where even though, and I think we fool ourselves. I think we fool ourselves into thinking that this, whatever our child has just produced is real fruit, but I don't think it is. Yeah. I don't think it's real food. Yeah.
1: So I think I love the way you said it is what is learning. And I think as homeschool moms who are teaching our children, that is a really important question to wrestle with. It may take a long time to feel like we're even coming close to an answer. I think that that is super important, each of us wrestling with what is learning, what is it really? And maybe many of us, it hasn't even dawned on us to ask that question, but I think it may change everything if we each wrestle with that question.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, Jennifer, as always, whenever I talk to you, I am absolutely Fascinated by the conversation, and I'm left with so many things to think about when we're done. But just thank you so much for coming on here. What's a final message we can send to moms who might be struggling with this tension between morning time and other subjects? Is there like a final bit of advice that you might want to give to them?
1: Yeah, I think that kind of two parts. First, that any practice, whether it be morning time or anything else, we are not meant to be slaves to it is a practice to help us you know, do these things that we are wanting to, cultivate these things that we want to cultivate. The minute we feel enslaved to it, the minute it's going to become something it was never meant to become. And I think the other thing is that our world is full of tension. We have to become okay with living in a tension. It is always a tension between the real and the ideal. We cannot escape that on the side of eternity. It's not possible. And so there's a sense we just have to become comfortable with that. And sometimes we're in seasons where we need to give grace for the real. And sometimes we're in seasons where we need to say, okay, now is the time to take a step towards the ideal. And we're always having to judge which one that is. And sometimes we might judge well, and sometimes we might not judge well. But either way, we continue pressing in. And so that. That would be my encouragement is to, to continue pressing in with these things in mind that this is not something to be enslaved to and we are living in a tension and it is worth it to keep pressing
0: in. Absolutely worth it. So it yeah, it's worth it to put up with that tension because the fruit mm-hmm. in the long run, that's yeah, very mm-hmm. good. Well, thank you so much for being here with me today. I really appreciate it. Hey, Jennifer, tell everybody mm-hmm. again where they can find you online.
1: Okay. Well, I blog at standinglisdom.com and I also have a podcast with my friend Ashley Wollobin the Classical Homeschool podcast and that's on all the normal podcasts and things so that's
0: where we are look for that in iTunes and Stitcher yeah all right well thank you very much thank you and there you have it now if you would like links to any of the books and resources that Jennifer and I spoke about today you can find them on the show notes for this episode And those are at pambarnhill.com forward slash Y-M-B-30. If you head over there, we will set you up and connect you with exactly what you need. Also on the show notes for this episode are some directions there, just in case you would like to leave a rating or review for the Your Morning Basket podcast in iTunes. The ratings and reviews you leave in iTunes really help us get the word out about the podcast to new listeners. And we very much appreciate you taking the time to do that. We'll be back in another couple of weeks with another great Morning Time interview. And until then, keep seeking truth, goodness, and beauty in your homeschool day.